Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Your attention to the book of Judges, chapter number 14. We're going to go back just a step or so to pick up where was left off last week, and then we're going to walk through, uh, the Lord being our helper, we're going to walk through chapter 15 and 16 and look at several things here. Uh, the message last week, a very apt message, uh, was showing us how that we could see Christ in these insufficient saviors. Uh, they all are pointing us to Christ, and Samson is doing the same. And we're going to see that as we, especially as we get to the end of the message this morning. But I want to pick up with the end portion of what was happening. You and I understand what took place. Samson gave a riddle. He told them a riddle and said if they got the riddle then he would give them 30, 30 coats, 30 garments uh, and if, if he won or if they couldn't guess the riddle then they would have to give him 30 of the garments. Well, they did something kind of underhanded they went in and talked to his wife, uh, and all of this, all of this was going on during the time of their wedding feast. That's when this was happening. Uh, it was going on when they were celebrating the fact that they had gotten married. All of this was taking place, and of course, he has a new bride. She. Uh, labors with him to give her the answer to the riddle. And she does that understandably because she has been threatened. She and her family have been threatened. Uh, they basically told her, in fact, we'll go back and we'll, we'll pick up in verse number 15. We'll read uh, down through this. It said, and it came to pass on the seventh day that they said unto Samson's wife, Entice thy husband, that he may declare unto us the riddle, lest we burn thy, thee and thy father's house with fire. Have ye called us to take that we have? Is it not so? And Samson's wife wept before him, and he and said, Thou doest but hate me. Uh, they, they just were celebrating being married. This is, this is the same woman that he went to his father and said, get her for me to wife because I love her. Uh, and she makes this statement in verse number 16. She said, thou dost but hate me and lovest me not. Thou hast put forth a riddle unto the children of my people. 
and hast not told it me. And he said unto her, Behold, I have not told it to my father nor my mother, and shall I tell it thee? And we, Jeffrey dealt with that last week, how he had not even mentioned that to his mom and dad. He had not even told them. She went on and wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted. I don't know about you, but one thing that kind of makes me want to fix things for my wife is when the tears start to flow. I want to straighten out everything. Turn the, turn the faucet off. I want this thing back right again. <laughs> I want you to be happy. I don't want you crying. And, and here, uh, she wept before him the seven days while her feast lasted. And it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. Then here we find in verse number 18, And the men of the city said, un, uh, said unto him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey, and what is stronger than the lion? And he said unto them, He knew what happened. He knew what took place. Why did he know what happened and what took place? Because he was the only one that knew the answer. That's how he knew that, uh, uh, what they had done and how they received the answer. He said, if you, you had not plowed with my heifer, which I guess things were not going so well. In. <laughs> I mean, I don't recall ever having ever called my wife a heifer, and never will I ever call my wife a heifer. <laughs> but now he has called her that. He said, you have plowed with my heifer. Ye had not found out my riddle. Well, this kindles something within him, and we find that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Now, what did we find out last week that God brought Samson on to do. He brought Samson as a judge for Israel. We learned last week that Israel was comfortable where they were. They, they, weren't, they weren't looking. They weren't crying out for a Savior. But if they had continued the way they continued, what would have happened? All of Israel would have been mixed race. It wouldn't, there, would, there wouldn't have been what God promised. So God is protecting his promise by sending Samson to do what? To prick the, the Philistines. Why, why is he doing that? He's, he's bringing them to, to cause them to, uh, to get in a situation where they're going to end up. And we're going to see this as we go down through here. But it said, The Spirit of the Lord came unto him, and he went down to Ashkelon, and slew thirty men of them, and took their spoil, and gave charge change of the garments unto them which expounded the riddle. And his anger was kindled, and he went up to his father's house. What, what's going on? He's had a wedding. There's been seven days feast. In the midst of that seven days feast, he's laid out a riddle. They couldn't answer that riddle. They go and talk to his wife. 
she, she weeps sore with him for seven days. He finally tells her the riddle. She goes and tells them the riddle. They come back and tell him the riddle. Now, did you get all of that? All of this is happening in these seven days. This is supposed to be a time of enjoyment, is it not? I mean, how many of us got married and went on a honeymoon? That's, that's, this was the time that they were feasting together. The families were together. And yet all of this is happening. All of this is going on. It takes, it takes the whole joy out of just being married. I mean, how would you like to have all of these guys following you around on your honeymoon? That wouldn't have been very good. But uh, here's what's happening. He, his anger's kindled, and instead of going back to his wife, what does he do? He goes to daddy's house. Well, who's, who's at daddy's house? Mama is. So Samson goes running to mom and daddy. He goes and stays with them just a little while. And it said, but Samson's wife was given to the companion whom he used as his friend. So his wife's given to his, and we learned last week, basically given to his best man. And so all of this is happening. And we pick up this morning, we pick up in chapter number 15. But it came to pass within a while after, in the time of the wheat harvest, that Samson visited his wife with a kid. He brings a goat. You say, well, that don't mean very much. Well, it mean, meant a lot back in that day. Yeah. In fact, if you'll go back to Tamar in the book of Genesis, that's what was brought to her. It's kind of a dowry of going in and consummating the marriage. He comes and he, he brings a kid and he said, I will go into my wife into the chamber, but her father would not suffer him to go in. There's already in-law problems. <laughs> already things going on. Verse number two, and her father said, I verily thought that thou hadst utterly hated her. Why? Because of all the situation that had happened. Therefore I gave her to thy companion. Is not her younger sister fairer than she? Man, talk about talk about partiality. Uh, is her younger sister not fairer than she? Take her, I pray thee, instead of her. And Samson said concerning them, Now shall I be more blameless than the Philistines, though I do them a displeasure. And Samson went and caught 300 foxes and took firebrands and turned, the tail, turned them tail to tail and put the firebrands in the midst between the tails. And when he had set the brands on fire, he let them go in the standing corn of the Philistines and burnt up both the shocks and also the stalks and also the standing corn with the vineyards and the olives. This thing's escalating, is it not? I mean, it, it started out a marriage feast. I mean, he, he got him a wife. They were getting married. The families were together. And all of this stuff starts snowballing. It starts, it starts rolling down the hill. Samson becomes angry. 
He goes and stays at mom and daddy's house a little while. He comes in. He's going to go into his wife, go into her chambers, and her father won't let him. He says, now take my younger daughter. Take her. She's fairer than the older daughter anyway. Take her and she can be your wife. So he gets angry and he goes out and he, he gathers up 300 foxes. Ties their tails together, puts a firebrand in between their tails and sends them through the cornfield and through the vineyards and through the olives and everything's burned. The, these are, <laughs> this is Samson and the Philistines. They're just going at it. They're back and forth. We, we find out that this happened. Now what happens after Samson goes and burns the fields of the Philistines? What happens? Remember what the Philistines promised the wife and the father they would do to them? Look at what happened in verse number 6. And the Philistines said, Who hath done this? And they answered Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion. And the Philistines came up and burnt her and her father with fire. Isn't that what they promised to do? She told them the riddle. She didn't betray them. But now they're mad at Samson, so what do they do? They go take it out on her. All of this is snowballing. It's continuing to get worse. It's worse over and over. Then we come down to verse number 7. Samson said unto them, Though ye have done this, yet I will be... Yet will I be avenged of you, and after that I will cease. And he smote them hip and thigh with great slaughter, and he went down and dwelt in the top of the rock Edom. So now he's he's went in and he slew the ones that had went and burnt the houses, or burnt the house of the father, burnt the his wife and father-in-law. Then the Philistines uh, went up and pitched in Judah and spread themselves in Lehi. And the men of Judah said, Why are ye come up against us? And they answered, To bind Samson, or to, yeah, to bind Samson, and are we come up to do him as he hath done to us? Then 3,000 men of Judah went to the top of the rock of Edom and said unto Samson, Knowest thou that the Philistines and the, ruler, the rulers over us, what is it that thou hast done unto us? And he said unto them, And they did unto me, so I have done unto them. And they said unto him, We are come down to bind thee, that we might deliver thee into the hand of the Philistines. And Samson said unto them, Swear unto me that ye will not fall upon me yourselves. Samson goes back and his own kin has come to him. Why have they come to him? Because they have, they, they're pointing the finger at him that the Philistines are against them now because of him. So all of this... Remember what, remember what James said in the opening this morning? Sometimes the grace that God shows doesn't look like the grace that you expect. I would say this would be one of those situations. 
It doesn't quite look like what the grace they were would have expected. They're turning on him. They're taking him in. And he told them, he said, as long as you promise that you won't fall upon me and kill me, you can bind me and you can take me. They spake unto him saying, No, but we will bind thee fast and deliver thee into their hands, but surely we will not kill thee. And they bound him with two new cords and brought him unto the rock. Then we come to this point, and I'm not going to go down and read through all of this, but what happens next is they come to the rock. The power of the Lord comes upon Samson again. He breaks the cord and this is the section of Scripture where he takes the jawbone of an ass and he sl- slays all the Philistines that are there. Stacks them up like cordwood. They came to bind him. His own people bound him with new cords. The power of the Lord comes upon him. He breaks the cords. He uh, slays all of the Philistines that have come up to take him. And he slays them with the jawbone. Then Samson turns around and says, Man, this has been hard work. I'm thirsty. The Lord even gives him to drink out of the jawbone. But God clave a hollow place in verse number 19 that was in the jaw, and there came out water thereout. And when he had drunk, his spirit came again, and he was revived. Wherefore, he called the name Enak Kor, which is in Lehi unto this day. And then we find... A strange verse placed right here. It says here, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. It's almost as if the story stops. Then we come to chapter 16 and the story picks up all over again. What happens after this? Samson goes into a harlot, a, 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 a questionable lady, then Samson goes to Gaza. He saw a harlot and he went in unto her. And it was told of the Gazites saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and lay wait for him all night in the gate of the city. What happens after this? Samson goes out and he gets the gates of the city and he drags the gates of the city and puts them up on a hill. It's just going back and forth. Over and over. And what I want us to see from this is Samson, though the power of the Lord has come on him a couple of these times, some of this he's doing out of spite. He's doing out of revenge. We see that he's he's doing this although God is using him to, to prick the Philistines and to set them aside. We come to this point and he carries those up to the top of the hill. And then we come to the point that we know Samson for. He meets another lady. And this lady is named Delilah. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And we know what happened here. She, he, she tests him. He tells her something, he breaks loose. She tests him, he tells her something, she breaks loose. And it, it becomes the same thing that happened earlier. She begins to weep. She turns on the faucet and the, the tears come out. And Samson finally tells her 
where his strength lies. He tells her that his, his locks have never been cut. She gets him to lay on her knee and go to sleep. And when he does, she brings a barber in and they cut his hair. They bind him. And when he gets up, the Bible tells us he wist not that the Spirit of God had departed. I've, I've had all these times that God's helped me through all of this. My strength was here. He wist not that the Spirit of God had departed. And they take him. They pluck his eyes out. They take him in. They, they use him at a meal. They, he's going around and around. And they cause a feast. Where did all of this start? It started at a feast. It was a marriage feast. Now we're at another feast. He was celebrating his marriage. Now they're celebrating his defeat. They bring him in and they place him between the pillars. He's outstretched. His hair grows. They're making prey. They're making sport of him. And as all of this is happening, as we come to the end of chapter number 16, when we come to the end of chapter number 16, look at what it says in verse number 28. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee. Wasn't a long prayer. He said, remember me, I pray thee. And strengthen me, I pray thee. Only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. He prays to God. This is not, this is not all of Israel praying. It's one man. One man is seeking God. And he's seeking God out of he wants to avenge the loss of his two eyes. Samson knows he's in a bad spot. This is not going to get better. His eyes been plucked out. He's, he's tied up. And he's asking God to strengthen him one more time. And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood and on which it was borne up, of the one with the right hand, and of the other with the left. In verse number 30, And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all his strength and might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon the people that were therein. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brothers and all the house of his fathers came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtal in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel twenty years." There's that phrase again that we saw at the end of chapter number 15. All of this has taken place in Samson's life. This is a story that has happened with him. 
All of these things have happened. All of these things have taken place. And in all of this, in His death, in what we come to here in this end, Samson points us to Jesus Christ. You say, how can he do that? The most important moment in the life of Samson was his death. The most important moment in the life of Samson was his death. The most faithful event of his life was the manner of his death. The most triumphant episode of his life was his death. At his death, he performs the role which he was chosen to do. What was the role that we were told that Samson began to do in chapter 13 and verse number 5? He was to begin to deliver Israel. His death, at his death, he performs the role which he was chosen to do. He began to rescue God's people. Samson's death is very different than the Lord's death in two ways. He's in the temple of Dagon as a result of his own disobedience. The Lord wasn't, he didn't die for his own disobedience, he died for ours. His death achieved a limited role which God raised him up for. Jesus always, remember Samson, the two ways. Number one, Samson did what he did for himself most of the time. Jesus always lifted up himself for the Father's glory. Jesus' death achieved deliverance once and for all. The deliverance of Israel from the Philistines was momentarily. They will face them again just a little later down the road. They'll come back up. But Jesus' death achieved deliverance once and for all. But there are some ways that Samson's end is a picture of the death of Christ. I want us to consider these this morning. Both Samson and Jesus were betrayed by someone who acted as a friend. They were both betrayed by someone who acted as a friend. They both were handed over to Gentile oppressors. He's pointing us to Christ. All of the things that are happening, all of the things that are taking place is pointing us to Christ, the one that will be able to deliver us continually. As James mentioned again in the opening, he said that we've been studying these, these insufficient saviors, but these insufficient saviors are pointing us toward the sufficient Savior. They were both handed over to the Gentile oppressors. They were both tortured, chained, and put on for public display. Both Christ and Samson were tortured. They were chained and they were put on public display. They were both asked to perform. They both 
died with their arms outstretched. They both appeared completely struck down by the enemy. Both in their death, they crushed their enemies. Samson began what only Jesus could finish. He began the deliverance of God's people. But Christ finished the deliverance of God's people. Both were saviors alone. There was nobody at the side of Samson. There was nobody at the side of Christ. He hung alone. He hung alone on our behalf. Othniel and Ehud rallied Israel to fight with them. Deborah and Barak took two tribes to battle with them. Gideon took 300 to battle with him. But Samson battled alone. Our Savior battled alone. And he battled alone on our behalf. He won for us what no one else could win. The ultimate difference is Samson did not get up from death. He was taken to the burying place of his father and there his remains stayed. But our Savior, Jesus Christ, got up on the third day and as we were told this morning, is seated on the right hand of the Father. He's seated there. His life his, his life is there for us. The reason that we can go into the throne room of God is because He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Don't forget that. His intercession for us is not that He has to stop and pray on each of our behalves. His, his intercession for us is that He ever liveth. The Bible tells us He ever liveth to make intercession for us. Samson delivered them from the Philistines momentarily. Our Savior is on the right hand of the Father. He's seated on the right hand of the Father. He is there ever living to make intercession for us. Samson could not do the final step. He couldn't do what Jesus could do. Jesus told them, He said, I have the power. If you take my life, I have the power to resurrect it again. And that same resurrecting power is the same resurrecting power that saved your soul and saved mine. The power of God. The gospel. The only thing the only thing in the Word of God that you find the, the attributed to God's power is the gospel. You have a lot of attributes of God, but you know where His power is? It's the gospel. What is the gospel? That God had a people and He sent His Son to die on our behalf. And not only die, but be resurrected on the third day. Samson did what God raised him up to do in chapter number 16. Christ did what he and God agreed he would do 
in eternity past. And He bore our sins on Calvary so that we could have salvation full and free. Let's pray.